Thanks, Judy. Hi, everybody. I'm Deb Hastings. I'm the Director of Continuing Nursing Education here at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Welcome. Um, we have, a, I think, a pretty interesting program for you today. Um, we're go going to be learning about the Upper Valley Community and Parish <coughs> Nursing Program. A um, little bit about this program, uh, it, the presence of these nurses in our region we have found to be under, uh, as the, uh, that they are an underutilized resource. And these nurses provide services that can enhance community-based care options, especially for frail older adults in the community. So the presentation will provide clarification of the differences between skilled home care services and the services provided by the community and parish nurses. We will also discuss how these nurses provide a resource that com complements the work of the skilled home care agencies and the process for initiating an appropriate referral. So our learning outcome for today is uh, that at the conclusion of this activity, in order to enhance overall outcomes for patients in community settings, the learners will be able to discuss the role and responsibilities of the community parish nurses as they compare to services provided through the VNA. I would like to welcome anyone who is viewing this session online. The program is also being recorded. If you are watching the presentation live and have a question, Judy Langhans is monitoring her email, and she can um, provide that question to our speakers. Her email is judith.m, as in May, dot Langhans, L-A-N-G-H-A-N-S, at hitchcock.org. You must attend at least 80% of this program to receive credit, and you will earn one continuing education credit at the conclusion of the program. Neither our speakers nor anyone on the planning committee has identified a financial interest or a relationship with a commercial entity, uh, and uh, no one refused to disclose. So today we have with us two um, folk, people who are known to most of us, Laurie Harding and Cindy. Is it Greigel or Greigel? I always get that mixed up. I'm sorry. Um, so we know each other because they've been around for a long time. Long time. Um, Laurie is the co-director of the, not a long, a good, <laughs> they have a lot of experience. Um, so Lori's the co-director of the Upper Valley Community Nursing Project, and Cindy is the community nurse in Thetford. They both have, as I said, many years of experience in a variety, a variety of nursing positions. Many of you may remember Lori for her work in the New Hampshire State Legislature when she upper, represented the Upper Valley at the State House, and for 10 years, over 10 more, a long time, 10. Lori worked on policy to enhance health care in our communities in her role as a state representative. So um, before I uh, bring you up here, I want to point out a couple, some nursing students who are sitting here. Raise your hands. They're with us for the summer learning about nursing research uh, in the healthcare setting. So thank you. And I want to um, say shout out to my former nursing professor, Dr. Sarah Joan Brown. I, I was a little nervous, Sarah Joan, <laughs> talking in front of my nursing. Yeah. And she actually taught me nursing research. So, um, sorry, but anyway, so it's so good to see you again. She gave me a good grade. <laughs> so, um, so now we can bring up Laurie and Cindy. Thank you so much. This is going to be really interesting. There's a lot of folks here, I think, from care management. Did I see some people? Care management people? Director, yeah. So, very interesting audience. And, and I'll shut this off and you can turn on. Is that 
Just want to test. Can you hear me okay? Great. Thank you, Deb. And it is really nice to be here. I've spent many a year working with colleagues here at Hitchcock. And I'm delighted to have so many colleagues now from Hitchcock that are working in this community and parish nursing program. I think it will be interesting to you to hear a little bit more about this program and what these nurses do, especially those of you who've known these nurses in the past as colleagues up here. So we've got several people in the audience. Sarah Jo Brown, who was just introduced by Deb, who worked at Hitchcock a number of years um, and also has written one of the most important books in nursing research um, and re continues to update that book on a regular basis. And Pat Button, who worked here doing quality improvement. And Doris Yates is now the Hanover nurse. And Rita Severinghouse, who used to work in care management. She is the parish nurse at the Church of Christ at Dartmouth College. And I just saw Ann Bradley walk in. And she was Rita's predecessor as the parish nurse at the Church of Christ at Dartmouth College. Can I just say one thing? You may. Do you kids up there? <laughs> <laughs> so... I am 80 years old. I just got my license renewed in March, probably for the last time. But my last job, current job right now, is in research. So breast cancer research. So this life forever. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, the Upper Valley Community Nursing Program and how this <coughs> program can provide an extension of the continuum of care here in the Upper Valley. And I regret to say that Carrie Allen is ill and she's not gonna be here, so I'm delighted I've got some other colleagues here from the program that they would like to chime in at some point. Cindy Griegel is here and we'll introduce her after I give you a little bit of the background of this project. So I wanted to first talk a little bit about what we're facing here in the Upper Valley because it's a really important um, conversation for all of us who are in healthcare to have. So I want you to just be aware that Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont own now. Deb, I'm afraid this is on. Is it on a, a skip, a fast forward? Okay. We'll just watch for a minute. So Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont are the oldest states in the country, with Maine being number one and Vermont and New Hampshire vying for number two. So it's important to sort of consider how we got here, because during the 70s, 80s, and 90s, our population grew each decade by 20%. However, around 2000, young families started to leave and it turned out that no further young families moved into our northern New England states. And that left behind in New Hampshire 285,000 baby boomers, 285,000 baby boomers who are living longer and working longer, retiring later, with families who live all over the country. In 2020, we're gonna have 20% of New Hampshire citizens who will be over the age of 65 as compared with 13.5% in 2010. A huge, huge increase. If you combine the aging of our state, the increase in healthcare costs with New Hampshire being the most expensive state in the union in terms of healthcare costs, and also treatment for ongoing chronic diseases, we could potentially bankrupt our entire system. 
and severely injure Medicare and Medicaid. So that gives us a lot of reason to think about how important it is to support older adults who want to remain in the community as they age. So just a couple of other issues around aging. So certainly the most older adults around us really prefer to age in their own homes. It's more comfortable and much less expensive. Nursing home care can rise up to over $115,000 as compared to home care, which sometimes can be on a regular basis, $25,000 or less. Most people don't want to spend their last days in the hospital. And how often do we really talk about goals with individuals that we take care of? Very often, you don't have time. You don't have time when they come here to talk about goals. So we need to do some of that in the community and make sure we can communicate with you all in the hospital as to what people's goals are. So do you really transfer them to the ICU if they have an urgent event out on one of the units? The difficulty in managing people in the community, however, is pretty profound because of increasing immobility, frailty, fall risk, polypharmacy, and usually people want to avoid hospitalizations because of potential poor health outcomes and further complications of their disease process. So this program is really a community effort. About six years ago, Dr. Dennis McCullough, a geriatrician, and I started talking about our concern about the aging of our Upper Valley citizens, including ourselves, I have to say. <laughs> and as a result, we started looking around a little bit, and we found three parish nurses, Ann Bradley being one of them, here in Hanover, one up in Lyme, Lori Kenton, and one down in New London, whose name was Janice Cundy. She worked with the Baptist parish down there. And these three nurses were really providing important supportive services for their congregation. So Dennis and I started talking about what else we might be able to do. We were, looked around a little bit. Dennis had just published a book called Your Mother, My Mother, and started to discover aging in Heartland, Eastman Cares. We started finding out that there were programs up in Lyme that were starting to form called Community Care of Lyme. And the volunteers who were working with those programs for the most part, did things like transportation, providing rides to the hospital for individual community members. They provided meals when they were necessary. There were a bunch of individual gentlemen up in line called Those Guys. They stacked wood for people who needed it and did a, a number of other community services. And so consequently, people started saying to us, but you know, people ask us what the difference is between hospice and palliative care. People ask us about medications all the time. We can't answer those questions. And then people also say, and my neighbor just had a total hip operation. I had to take him to the hospital, but I didn't know how to get him into the car. So Dennis and I started thinking maybe a community nurse or trying to build on the parish nursing program might help support these volunteers who are really doing important work in their communities, supporting their friends and neighbors, but lack some of that clinical judgment and clinical experience. So the community started to be very interested. We said to them, would you like to add a nurse to what you're already doing? So little by little, community started saying, that sounds like a really good idea. Ultimately, we have the following communities involved in this project. We have Eastman Cares, and the nurse down there is Trish Peters. Some of you may know her. She actually works full time in care management, but provides support down at Eastman. 
We also have community care of Lyme and the Lyme Parish nurses. There are two nurses up there, um, both of them recent retirees from Dartmouth, Sharon Morgan, who's a nurse practitioner, and Carrie Allen, you may know her. Uh, also aging in Heartland, we have Jill Lloyd down there and the Hanover Time nurse. Hanover's made the decision that they wanted to hire a nurse because of the aging of that population. And Doris is the nurse in Hanover. That's a brand new program just in the last six months. And then the Sharon Health Coordinator, this is interesting because this individual is not a nurse. She has an NPH, but has a lot of experience in fall risk reduction and a lot of experience in public health education. And then the Thetford Community Nurse, you're gonna hear from Cindy. And then the Parish Nursing Program, which I mentioned already at CCDC, the Church of Christ at Dartmouth College with Rita. And then we have the Lebanon Interdisciplinary Geriatric Home Care Team in Lebanon, and that team consists of a social worker, an outreach worker, and Janet Lowell, who worked for care management, and she's the nurse and member of that team. So the client characteristics are not surprising. First of all, most of the clients live alone or often with one other person. The number of individuals taking their meds correctly is 68%. But the interesting thing about the 68% is that that's after the nurse had been in there for probably anywhere from six months to a year when we started actually collecting our data. So the nurses had made a significant improvement on the ability of people to take their medications accurately. And then the other thing that the nurses were very much able to influence was the number of people that had an advanced directive. So we have, were able to document that 83% of the clients that the nurses were taking care of had an advanced directive completed. All total, the nurses are taking care of 250 clients in the area in six, eight different communities. So when Dennis and I started to talk about the nursing project, we really decided that the need for this project was to fulfill a significant gap. And the primary gap is that we've got elders who are determined to age in community and a healthcare system that struggles to meet their needs. So the philosophy is based on need, not reimbursement, because the services provided are free. There's no cost for these services at this point in time. The nurses certainly all will accept donations. Their program will accept donations. I apologize for this, for the jumping around. But the other very important thing is this philosophy is based on a public health model, a very old public health model. When we knew individuals like Lillian Wald and Dorothea Dix, and I might ask the students who they were, but I won't. <laughs> But certainly, people like Lillian Wald, who were our predecessors, valued healthy diets and fresh air and water that was really good to drink, as well as focused on a lot of prevention and education. The job description is very simple, and it's got a lot of uh, prevention in the job description. The job description is a job description that we have created, and the job description has adopted by some communities, but not all of them. The, a lot of the communities have edited the job description and more clearly articulated what they wanted their particular nurse to do. So the job description is very similar for parish nurses and community nurses. Then ultimately, the nurses are hired by their communities, and they've received initial grants from the Upper Valley Community Nursing Project when they first started, but the 
project has really continued because the communities have advocated for ongoing funding in part from their towns. Right now, the town of Lyme and Hanover both partially fund their projects, as do Thetford, Sharon, and Heartland. So the nurses ultimately are responsible to provide a quarterly report to their towns to let them know how many people they're seeing, what kinds of problems they're encountering, and then also to let them know how many home visits they make, how many phone calls they make, how many educational programs they've done. And in some cases, Rita, for example, runs an ongoing support group for her congregation members. The relationship between the community and the nurse is established through a letter of agreement, and the nurses work anywhere from four to 20 hours a week. The two nurses in line between the two of them have 30 hours that they contribute. Most of the nurses have been um, in retirement for a year or so, but have decided they're not about ready to stop being a nurse, and they're not about to let their license go. So they bring their years of experience, their good judgment, their excellent clinical skills to this project, and we all feel very fortunate because some of the situations they encounter are very challenging. And for those of you who haven't done any home visits, sometimes you just never know what's behind that door. When you discharge a patient, you never know what they're going home to. So ultimately, um, we've ended up providing some oversight, local oversight. There's not a supervisor as such for these nurses because they're practicing nurses under they're practicing nursing underneath their state nurse practice acts. And consequently, they don't require any kind of supervision except the accountability to their steering committees. So that steering committee has been very important because it's enabled the nurses to both get some support and feedback from their own community and also identify what it is that the community might want that they're not yet doing. Yes. She also mentioned in this part that it is a recognized faith community parish nursing. It's a recognized specialty under the American Nurses Association. So, and it, they are set standards and scope of practice. So Rita's just mentioning that faith-based community nursing is a recognized specialty by the ANA. It has a scope of practice that's cl very clearly outlined. And so it's not unlike what the community nurses are doing. I have to say that, and we'll go on and explain a little bit more about the differences between what the community nurses do versus the public health, rather the VNAs do, because it's important for you all to understand that difference. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But the most common health problems that the nurses encounter are fatigue and weakness, profound fatigue and weakness from clients, a frequency of falls and chronic pain. And this has been reported in our new effort to try an electronic medical record. The nurses had a hard time moving into an electronic medical record because they were still post-recovery from Epic. But <laughs> they had made an amazing transition and actually were using a very user-friendly system called REDCap. And it's provided some very important documentation because we're concerned about ongoing sustainability for this program. We need some data. And the nurses need to be able to document what they're doing for clients and make it easily retrievable. Prior to the institution of this effort, well, Cindy can tell you, there, there was pretty much um, a very informal means of documenting what they were doing. And it became cumbersome for the nurses. So despite the fact that not everybody's wildly excited about an electronic record. I think in the long run, it's been very helpful. The most typical interventions are medication reconciliation. That's been so important 
because it's not unusual to walk in and see clients who say, we'll have told the clinic, oh, yes, I'm taking my medications. But then the nurse walks in and says, well, how are you taking your medication? Let me see your pillbox. And it turns out in one or two cases, the patient's been taking all their medications on one day during the week. And yes, they're taking their medications, but take, they're taking them totally inappropriately. And the nurses have found that when they're there, they have a gift of time, which is very often hard for the VNAs, because it's when you've got seven visits you still have to do to sort out people's sometimes very complicated medication problems, especially when you're in there for wound care, not necessarily to sort out medication and to really monitor people's um, new hypertension medication. It's very difficult to pay attention to this. And then symptom management's been very important. There's a lot of communication back and forth between the providers and the nurses, but again, that's something we need to address because we haven't figured out how to do it right yet, except for the blue team, which has been very, very helpful because the blue team has been communicating once a week with the nurse who's in Lebanon. There's been an unusual ability for the nurses, nurse in Lebanon to have that ongoing communication with the blue team and the senior care team down at Alice Peck Day that makes the other nurses very envious. Um, so also addressing falls and safety concerns has been another priority. So how is the community and parish nurses different from the VNA? You need to keep in mind that in order to be on the VNA service, and we've got Lake Sunapee, VNH, and Bayada in the area, you need to have a skill. And once you have the resolution of your skilled need, for example, if you've got a fresh total hip, if you've um, got a fairly normal gait and your wound has healed, then you get discharged from the VNA, but you're still 90 years old and, and live at the end of a dirt road and there's nobody else with you in your home, and you still may not be able to read well and understand your medications. So the nice thing about this is that the nurses are able to work as a partner to the VNA, they are sometimes there before, during, and after the VNA services are there. Sometimes they're there just after the VNA has been discharged, but it's an opportunity to really have some ongoing ability to monitor how people are doing in order to perhaps prevent them from coming back up to you and perhaps prevent them from having to go back on VNA services. And the older people are, the more we have in our communities of people who are in their 90s, 80s, and 90s, the more we're going to find that people are living on a very slippery slope and trying to maintain them in the home is important, especially when you look at the reality that there's not very many places for people to go now because our nursing home beds have a moratorium placed on them. Maine is closing 12 nursing homes in the next year. And here in New Hampshire, we have a very limited number of beds in assisted living. And the other reality is that you have to pay for them yourself. You have to pay for those beds out of your own pocket because Medicare doesn't cover assisted living and Medicare doesn't cover more than 100 days in skilled nursing care. So we have to figure out a way to really support people at home beyond VNA services, which are critical very often in people's acute phase post-hospital discharge. But in order to really support people further, this program has been very helpful, which is why I think about it is the next phase in the continuum of care. So the role um, encompasses education, counseling, advocacy, a lot of problem solving, and a lot of care planning. And what's not on here but is very important is recognition of how much the caregiver support comes into play with this nursing role. 
So the other thing that the nurses have done quite a bit of is provide support for volunteers, provided an opportunity to really train volunteers when they've needed training and also to be available to answer questions. And then we had mentioned support for caregivers before. And then the other important thing is referrals, because very often it's a possibility that individuals need more services than they're actually getting. So the nurse may end up referring to Meals on Wheels. They may refer to the social worker um, over at Senior Solutions in Vermont. They might refer somebody to service like here in New Hampshire. Very often, being in situations where when you discharge here, you may not be in a situation to really fully understand the breadth of some of the concerns that people have got at home. It's just, it's not possible because you see people who are in their white gowns and very often people's focus is on getting out of the hospital and very often they don't want to share information with you that they're more willing to share once they get home. So hopefully we can become a more important part of your team as well as you anticipate needing to discharge people and when you in your gut feel, mm, I'm not comfortable about how this person is um, going to do at home. So certainly communication skills have been really critical. Um, the nurses have the gift of time to be able to sit down and really talk with people and help them identify what they want to accomplish at home. And very often, it's not um, necessarily going to, going to be what happens every day, but it really is to, to make sure that they're healthy enough to go to a grandchild's graduation or make sure that they can have a family reunion during the next holiday season. So the nurse is able to really help prioritize their, those things. They're not so concerned anymore about their diabetes or their hypertension. The focus for them is on trying to reach certain milestones. The other thing that's really important is that the nurse is able to survey their community and get a sense of community health concerns. We've had the nurse in Lebanon um, set up education programs on Lyme disease. Um, it's not unusual for the nurses to work with the VNA to set up flu clinics in their communities. And the important thing, once again, is they still come at this relationship from the vantage point of a nurse and using their assessment skills and really taking into consideration all the clinical needs in addition to all the other issues that swirl around the care of that client relative to the social determinants of health. So the team-based care members um, often will include, for example, in Lyme, um, there is an individual up in Lyme that requires really the work of the entire community to help sustain them in Lyme, partially because they need an exercise program. There's not somebody there all the time to provide that added support. The VNA has discharged the patient and taught individual community members how to do the exercise program. And so the patient is being walked up in line three times a week by community volunteers, and the nurses help the community volunteers learn how to walk the individual using their assistive devices. So the continuity and connectedness seems to make this program work well, and the nurses very often are from that community, know people in the community, and I have to say that at this point in time, it's not so much about making money. All the nurses are paid, but the important thing is that it's really all about the experience and giving back to the community. And lastly, uh, the responsive clinical experience and the importance of the relationships is why this program seems to work so well. So I'm going to introduce Cindy Griebel. <laughs> <laughs> Here she is. Um, 
one of the wonderful things about this role is it allows the nurse to be very creative. And this is um, Cindy and the Thetford Community Nurse Program looking for increase in funding from the town of Thetford during town meeting a year ago. And um, Cindy showed up in this garden and said to people who were in the audience, if you're old enough to know what my uniform is, you're old enough to need my services. <laughs> and then the next thing she said was, we have, we're trying to advocate for the $3,500 that we've applied for in the budget. And by the time Cindy finished and Sarah Joe finished, the town had voted in $8,500 for the community wow. nursing project, in part because they recognized that in order to support their families and friends, to stay in Thetford as a aging community, they needed some additional services that were not necessarily traditional services. So I want to welcome Cindy so she can talk a little bit about her role and share some experiences with you. Cindy. Thank you, Lauren. How is that working? Okay. Move this a little bit closer down here. Okay, there I am doing my marketing thing. <laughs> That, by the way, is a cape from the Mary Hitchcock Memorial Hospital School of Nursing, class of 1933, that someone was throwing in a dumpster. So me being uh, a graduate of the last class, I couldn't stand that. So I grabbed it. I have my great-grandmother's nursing pin on there, and my grandmother's, and my own. And uh, yeah, that was really fun. Tell yeah. me a story about the little girl. Who oh, yeah. So... Uh, Town meeting, different organizations have little tables set up, and so the Girl Scouts were selling cookies, and so I had my garb on, and I went over after a while and said, hi, girls, do you know what I am? And one of them said, you're a priest. <laughs> I don't know if he meant a nun or what, but I thought that was pretty good. You're a priest. I'm going to write myself a couple of notes here. Um, so pretty cute, but we've done that. I've done that the last two town meetings, and um, you know, money is tight in our in our budgets in town. Taxes are high. Um, this past March, um, the uh, select board had recommended a cut of twenty percent for all human services, uh, and uh, fortunately, people spoke up, and um, that cut wasn't made. So. You know, our organization in Thetford, we're funded by grants and donations, and just the last two years, we've gotten appropriations from the town. So we've hung on so far, right, Sarah Jo? Sarah Jo is a professor of mine, too, by the way. <laughs> she still be teaching. She's amazing. Okay? I learned so much. In She's, she's an important consultant. She and Pat are and, important yeah. consultants for and the community nursing projects. Fortunately for me, um, Sarah Jo is um, on the board of directors. Is that what we call that, the board of directors? For the community nurse of Thetford, Inc., which is a not-for-profit um, organization with just five people in, and they have employed me as their nurse. So I'm Cindy Griegel. I want to talk... People wanted me to mention my nursing career so far. And um, I did work at Dartmouth Hitchcock for 34 years um, in OR, and then I was 30 years in the cardiovascular critical care. I had the best job in the hospital. Okay, I just want you to know. <laughs> and then I also did five years um, as the educator in CDCC. So I had an awesome job. I left in 2012, 
uh, started working for Health South, the rehab hospital in Concord, as a liaison. Um, but then people, I think I first became aware of the community nurse role in Thetford because um, there was a select board meeting. There was a group going to present to the select board in Thetford talking about the need for a community nurse and what they were doing. And I was interested in that. I, I, you know, we're all nurses in our neighborhoods and our towns, and we all we all do a little community nursing. Come on, you know. Our, I mean, I have practically stitched up the kids, and you know, and you know, my neighbor's kid, or I've got a lady who was really not getting good care at home where I kind of intervened. So we all do that. And um, I was interested in the role. I went to the select board meeting and met. Um, the, some of the people that had presented there. The select board really wasn't very excited about the um, community nurse, I think because of the dollars they saw attached to it. But wouldn't you know, my first two clients or patients were the parents of one of the selectmen. So they, <laughs> they referred uh, their own parents to me. So um, at any rate, uh, so... I started in January of 2016 at 10 hours a week. Um, I've been increased to 12 hours a week. Uh, it's, it's, for me, a role that uh, quite the learning curve for me. I was used to patients who I uh, turned up their epinephrine drip and the blood pressure went up. And <laughs> they bled and I gave them blood. And you know what I mean. I you know, turned up the FiO2 on the... Then later, and their oxygen level came up, or put the paddles on, and that was that. Well, this is so different, okay? And, and uh, what I tell me, I've only been doing it two and a half years, but I have gained some experience. And one of the things is, it's baby steps with people. It's totally, I have to be patient about the changes. They're going to come very slowly, and... It's also not about me. It's about what people want and what they find important. What I find I can do is kind of guide them <laughs> and kind of change their mind about what really is important and what will help them. And um, it's through building relationships with people that we do that. I, um, I'm their nurse. I mean, I am, I'm the nurse for the community. And, and many people see me that way, which is great. And, um, you know, being a nurse... We have an amazing relationship with people, but we do, and we, we, it is unbelievable the trust that people place in us, so never minimize that with your, with your, um, with your patients. So my role um, has been very much as a, as a consultant. When people ask me what I do, I'm a consultant. I do a lot of uh, education around um, not only what uh, their primary care doctor wants, but what will benefit people to stay in their home. Everyone wants to stay in their home. Nobody wants to leave, okay? It's just really the way people want to age. And all of us would feel that way too. And I know we have parents or older people we know. We want to stay home. So I do a lot of um, education around what's going to work for you, what, how can we make the home safe for you, what do we need in place to have happen. Um, Sarah Jo gathers some statistics about the clients that I see. 
um, almost, I think it's like 45% of my people are living alone. And um, that sounds, that's really scary, let me tell you, when I go see these people, that they're alone. And sometimes uh, I, you know, I don't even know what I'm walking into, like Lori said. Um, I get a phone call from someone. Um, I've had one person I got a phone call from whose landlord recommended they talk to me because um, this person wasn't comfortable talking to their doctor. So we talked on the phone. He called me and said, um, I wanted to know if you could come by and help me, um, see if you could help me figure out things. I haven't been able to walk well lately. Um, I haven't really been feeling well. And so we were talking on the phone, and I said, you know, it really sounds to me like you need to go to the hospital. And he said, oh, I don't want to do that. I would really like it if you came by. So I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll be over in a couple of hours. Well, I'm telling you, I went to this place. I walked in there, and this man had probably not been out of that house in two months. It was... I just, and I had just, so I'm a hospital-based nurse, okay, remember, <laughs> right? So I kind of walked in there, I had my, um, I had my clipboard with me, okay, and this is me, you know, I walked in, I looked around, I said, how are you, Mr. Smith, you know, thank you for calling me, tell me what's been going on, but I could, you know, maintain a professional demeanor, which was good, um, and he said, I, you know, he was sitting at his desk with his, uh, Mac in front of him, and I saw he had a cane next to him. He said, I just haven't been walking well, and um, the, the apartment was beyond messy. So uh, he turned to look at me, and he had a big tumor on his face as well. So I just, you know, I said, you know, let's talk about your walking. Tell me about this on your face. So we had a whole conversation. And I said, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is to get you down to the hospital, Dr. Hitchcock. We have one of the best hospitals, you know, in the country. You're going to get the best care. And he said, well, I don't know how they're going to get me down the stairs. I said, I do. Let me get my phone here. <laughs> so that was a 911 call. And um, this gentleman had untreated diabetes for, it must have been years. He had not seen a doctor. He told me he was been so healthy he hadn't seen a doctor and at least 15 years, which I think was true. I'm not really sure what his relationship with this landlady was, but she she ended up just dropping groceries at the door because she knew he couldn't drive. So, at any rate, that was a 911 call. He ended up here, and he did actually go to Hanover Terrace for a while, which I visited him, and I cleaned up his his uh, computer and brought it to him. So he had no family here. He had a son in New York City, and that was it. Who did? You know, the guy would mail him like an L.B. jacket or something, thank goodness. But really not involved at all. But um, this man ended up being discharged and going to Bradford to um, like a residential care place. So he did, he did get out. And um, so that was one of the people that I, um, I didn't have time to establish a relationship with him. That was kind of a quick one. But, you know, everything from um, people will call me for uh, information about tick bites and um, up to uh, a lot of support for caregivers, as Lori said. So much dementia out there, I had no idea. 
um, so many people taking care of family members with dementia, because we don't talk about that, okay? That's pretty embarrassing in the community. When your person who's lived in the community their whole lives now starts to, you know, not be able to um, write checks, or they can't even read the paper, or their um, place is so cluttered, um, and their family members kind of hide that for quite a while, and um, I, I was kind of surprised by that, how much dementia there was out in the community. So I do a lot of work with, with caregivers, education around that, and um, advocacy, and I have had a few of my clients that I've had them change their primary care provider, where I've talked with the family, not really feeling like they were getting the comprehensive care that they needed. And so I've made some referrals to, well, the Aging at Home program. Right, Catherine? Yes. Yeah. So, um, which is a great program for people, frail elders in their homes. And so I was really excited about that and kind of partnering with them um, to help care for some pretty complicated uh, health issues at home and social issues. So... Blue team. Uh, some things that we've worked on in Thetford are to increase um, social contacts for people. So isolate, social isolation is a real health hazard for the elderly. And in Thetford, we have monthly senior lunches. But we've also, along with our Thetford Elder Network, which is our volunteer organization in town that uh, assists elders, and they assist me too as well. We've uh, started a monthly coffee clash that's been really popular. Just getting out of the house for an hour and a half. We were going to have programs, but really people come and just talk the entire time. They just need to get out. And it's a really, a really positive connection for people. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is the connections that I have made within the community that are really important as a safety net for our seniors and really for everyone. Uh, humans are social animals. We need people. And our, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village for all of us and certainly to keep our older people safe and at home. So uh, our whole community, I think, works well together. It's just... Uh, for me, trying to get, continue to get the word out and to help people understand what my role is or what the community nurse role is. That's a little bit of a challenge, even in a small town like Thetford, which is only, you know, we only have about 2,400 people there. But I know the police, I visit them and I visit the food shelf and I go to the senior lunch every month. It's like going to a wedding reception. I go to each table and I talk to people, you know, but I feel like... But, uh, haven't, haven't you gotten and two people who live alone together and <laughs> yeah. get married? I would like to do that. I would like to do that. You know, I have made generalizations about older people and how they do, but men don't do well. Men don't do well when they lose their spouse. Not as Women seem to be able to hang in there. They're more social, and but men have a really hard time. Uh, they really lose a lot. And... Uh, it's good. People, you know, I get to know people, and they. I just had a gentleman call me um, about a month ago. He was someone I had met a couple of times at senior lunches, 
he had come in for a cystoscopy and uh, uh, for bladder cancer diagnosis. Anyway, they sent him home with a urine catheter in, and you know, printed papers telling him what to do with it. So he called me and said, help. You know, they sent me with this thing. I had no idea. And no, really, he had no idea what to do. You can't imagine. So fortunately, I was available and I could go and did a ton of teaching with him around that. And so we've obviously kept in touch. I called him. I didn't visit him again. And so it's that kind of a resource for people. Um, had another, they just called me the other day, and her doctor told her to go to the store and buy a SIDS bath and use it. So she said, she's 92. <laughs> okay, she lives alone. She's, still, she's amazing. But she called me up. She said, well, I bought it like they told me to do, but I don't know what to do with this thing. So, you know, it's really things that, well, we're all used to, but it's pretty foreign to some people. But So it's great. It's it's uh, building that trust with people so that they're comfortable. Um, are there any questions? Yes. So I'm a social worker, mm -hmm. and um, one of the things I struggle with, we serve such a, a vast geography here, is when I'm looking for supports at home for people, I can Google keywords, and I'm, you know, that's mm. not going to give me these six individually named right. programs in six different areas here. Yes. I'm wondering... Um, if, if what you do about getting that word out when we're Googling. So, so I think me. if you Google, Google community nurse for Vermont, that there are, I know so that we would come up, because we have a website. I mean, if you know there are community nurses, yes. then you Google community nurse. Right. But if you know that, you probably already know what some of them are. Yeah. I'm thinking about just some of these more broad things like, um, social isolation resources, mm -hmm. or that sort of thing, and I don't know what what the resource does on their end to to make that known. But unless you put it in your blurb, do you have web people who are doing this for you? Web people? No, we do not. <laughs> we have a website, and the Upper Valley Community Nursing Project has a website. We do. Um, I've got these brochures over on the table. And we just developed these brochures, and I hope those of you who work in the clinic or work in an area where there might be a bulletin board, you'll take one. And we tried to design it so it would be easy to read and easy to use. Um, the website is listed on here, but it's www.uvcmp.org. But Donna, to your question about resources, I, I always encourage the nurses to go to Senior Solution in Vermont and Service Link in New Hampshire, because they really have got a good overview of what's available in their communities. Senior Solutions knows about community yeah. nurses. The old community action. Um, no, it's the Springfield like, one's called Senior Solutions, but are the others are, are I, still there? They're, they're all. Um, how do they the Area Council on Aging. It's all called Senior Solutions for the whole state. I, I think it's uh, statewide. It's like Service Link yeah. in New Hampshire, and, and then they, they have different <laughs> areas. And service like throughout the state. So, yeah. uh, so are there any questions for Cindy? Because I think I might also ask whether or not any of the other nurses would like to make any comments. But um, I'm seeing the Colby Sawyer students, or one of you is a Colby Sawyer student. So we have capstone students with us every year. And they have a very interesting experience because, interestingly enough, 
Colby Sawyer doesn't need any community help anymore. So the students graduate from Colby Sawyer never get into a home. So they don't see how people live and how they manage their healthcare issues. So the four students that come and spend some time with us get a chance to do some home visiting with the nurses. And then they get to come here afterwards. And it's a really good experience because they're able to think about their discharges in a different light because they've been in people's homes and can identify what some of the needs are as a result of that home visit. So we're looking forward to having them come again in the fall. Catherine. Hey, my big interest in uh, doing this work is, is communication and understanding who's involved in the, in the patient's life. I, I work in the um, clinic, but I work with a special team, um, the community geriatric team. And the biggest challenge for me is knowing who are all the players and who's kind of holding the ball. So is there a case manager? You know, how do we communicate all of that stuff? I don't have any answers. I'm throwing it out there that it's wonderful to have lots of people involved in folks' lives, but it also can be confusing to them. Like, who, what's that nurse? Why are they? Because I also go out and visit people in their home. And so I, it's just an interesting challenge. It's absolutely wonderful, I think, for patients understanding about skilled nursing coming in and out of their lives, mm -hmm. but then community mm -hmm. nursing being straight across, right. the clinic nurse mm -hmm. being straight across. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. And I don't know the answer. I mean, that's the same thing for me going into a home, trying to figure out who... Who is right? Who are all the players? Who's running things yeah. here? Because, and sometimes I'm just a piece of it, like mm -hmm. the hospice. Yeah. I do continue to see people in hospice because they want me to. Mm -hmm. Usually, I'm the one that gets them. Exactly. I teach them what hospice is, mm -hmm. and and tell them that this is really something you need to probably think about doing. But I continue to see the person then. But I work with the hospice people. They communicate with me, and I see that person right along. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people in and out. So shouldn't the Office of Care Management be able to kind of handle this? So Anne is saying, can't the Office of Care Management help? But truly, once somebody's discharged and in the community, the Office of Care Management really is not involved. I have to say that one of the possibilities for us is to be able to access DH Connect, which would really help a lot on so many different layers because you all actually on the units could see what the community nurse is doing to get a little bit more background about somebody. But we are not a very formal organization yet, but I can see the handwriting on the wall. If we're going to continue to grow this program, we're going to have to try and formalize our structure a little bit. Because when you start getting involved with electronic information, then there's security issues. And same thing with DH Connect. We have to be really thoughtful about who is in the Age Connect because of security also. But we are working on that, and it was Daniel Stadler actually that started saying, come on, come on. Yes. you need to do that. Yeah, good. I wanted to mention that um, Bob Rusfeld, who's a family doc up in line, is now um, my partner in crime. He's the co-director of Upper Valley Community Nurses. And while Cindy and Rita and Doris actually deliver the services, what we try and do is provide some support for them. And we meet monthly to talk about the role, to talk about clinical concerns that they might have. And then we serve as a resource for communities, both communities who would like to hire 
nurse in the future and know more about the program, but also to support the communities that currently have a nurse. So it's not unusual for us to get phone calls that require some problem solving. And our biggest um, challenge right now is really trying to move our electronic um, information system forward so it can be of more use in the future in terms of giving the community some good data to continue to advocate for sustained funding for their nurse and also so that we can have some aggregate data from all the communities and really try and help other communities understand the value that nurses can bring to what they might already have established. I do, just, I, oh, I, I think one thing that's really important for acute care nurses, that the services that are provided in this hospital and other hospitals and clinics are absolutely invaluable. But I do think that taking what Cindy has said, what Lori has said about the statistics, about elder, oh, <laughs> Whatever, then we'll both need a community nurse, right? <laughs> um, is finding out, does this person live alone? And I live alone, and I, I am aging. <laughs> and every once in a while I find, well, there's something I can't do anymore. And luckily, I have a son in the area who is more or less willing to come over and, for example, help me figure out how to open my window so I can wash the outside and things like that. But just yesterday, I fell. And, you know, it wasn't bad or anything, but it made me realize what is potentially coming down the line. And I've had surgery here a number of times, relatively recently. Nobody asked me if I lived alone. Nobody asked me out of the same day program, do you have someone who's gonna help you when you get home? And I think just having more awareness of the things that are critical to ask when someone is discharged from an acute care hospital. And obviously this applies to all ages, from infants to 80-year-olds to 90-year-olds, but I think with the elderly population, they are particularly significant and may well be the reason to make a referral to a community nurse. It may not be somebody who needs a BNA, but who does need some support once they get home to be safe, et cetera. So. I had an interesting, uh, is Lenore here? No. Lenore is one of the um, care managers in the clinic who contacted me about a woman in her 40s who was seen by a primary care doctor and who wasn't showing up to the Coumadin Clinic at the Lyme Clinic weekly, um, a lot of issues around medication, uh, compliance with medication. So she wondered if there was something I could do, and I called this person, and finally she called me back. And we had a talk on the phone, and very pleasant, and I said, you know, what would you like me to do? I'd love to do some teaching around your medications. And she said, well, you're welcome to come to the house, and we set a time and a day, and so I did go up there, and there was no one there, but I did take a look around, and I really got an idea of why this person was not able to be, she just, it was incredibly challenging for her to be compliant with her medication. So when I was, um, when I talked again to Lenore, and I had um, this, this client come to see me, uh, in my office, I have office hours once a week, 
and she did come, and we had a long talk. It was she was very pleasant, but so challenged with mental illness, so challenged with uh, just life circumstances. She had lost uh, her her two children. She had guardians now, even though one of them still lived with her, and um, so many things she was dealing with that. Um, when I did talk to Lenore again, I said, you have no idea what this poor person is trying to deal with. Plus, she had a lot of um, mental issues, heart disease, and she was young for these chronic things. So Lenore, um, after I described to her what was going on, she said, I, oh, she said, I get it. Okay, let's do this. I'm going to set her up with a pharmacist. Let's find a time. And, you know, Lenore really sprang into action. It just, she needed that kind of different perspective of what this person was dealing with. So I was able to give her that, which is good. Yeah, I see, I see the time, but I'm, I'm Rita Severinghouse. I'm the parish nurse of the Church of Christ at Dartmouth College. Uh, Lori mentioned how um, there is a, a great deal of accountability. We really are not on our own. Uh, we each respond to a steering committee, so I wanted to um, mention that again. And um, I wanted to mention the annual report that I submit um, to the congregation of about 300 members, of which Anne is a member and an elder in that parish. Um, in that report, I submitted that I had done more than uh, 60 visits, um, more than 200 phone calls, uh, had more than 70 office visits, had, um, I think it was about four crisis visits where people called me to the home, and uh, about 20 um, Dartmouth-Hitchcock visits, which included um, ED visits. In addition to that, in my 15 hours a week that I do, um, we coordinate, I coordinate health education programs. So I coordinate programs this past year on uh, driving and aging and the issues with that on balance by bringing Donna Pigeon to do a program that was very well attended by the parishioners, and also a six-week program called uh, Useful Tools for Aging, which is put out by the United Valley Interfaith Project. So we really are an integral part of that community. I am not a member of Anne's Church, and yet I have become an integral part of the community as a health resource to the community. Thank you. I'm Cheryl Abbott. I'm the director of nursing systems. And first, as a funny aside, um, Susan Reeves has actually modeled my job, I believe, after you, Ms. Pat Bunn. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very honored to meet you. I just wanted to mention, um, I'm very glad to get the feedback, and I'm happy to, it sounds like you, you all know who your resources are, but if there ever is anything that falls through the cracks, um, for example, you know, being asked about functionality and resources at home prior to admission, you know, I'm really eager to get that feedback and would happy, be happy to reach out to you all as consultants and some of our internal quality improvement efforts. I think that could be a great link that we could really do a lot with. And just wanted to ask, um, we have a lot of nurses that would, you know, are working full time, but would love um, probably to participate in some kind of brief or short-term volunteer opportunity. 
So if you ever do think of any special needs or events um, that we could help resource, we would really love to hear about that. That's a wonderful offer. Uh, I think one of the things that the nurses are challenged with, and I hesitate to even give out our new brochure, they really are committed to a very small number of hours a week, given the magnitude of the problem that we are going to encounter in the future. And so I know that they are busy, but our data shows us that the referrals for all the nurses except for Lebanon come only from the community, from the clergy, from friends, neighbors, town councilors, select board members. They do not come from providers. So that is very, that's interesting to all of us that that's the case, with the exception of the Lebanon nurse, because the Lebanon nurse has an ongoing weekly conversation with the blue team and the Lebanon senior care program. So they have that communication back and forth, and it's not unusual for them to be on the phone and say to Janet, Janet, we know this person has not been referred yet, but can you go see Mrs. Jones? She was discharged last week, and we're worried about how she's managing at home. She didn't qualify for BNA services. Can you go check and see how she's doing? So we've got a lot of stories like that. And uh, I really believe that ultimately, if we can't do something about this, these people are going to all end up in the emergency room at one time or another. And we're looking for opportunities to expand. We're looking for further support. And I think that Hitchcock and Joanne Conway, Conway would be very smart if she looked at this program and actually saw the money that these nurses are able to save the healthcare system because of their intervention. And the fact that there's one other step in there beyond the BNA. So I would love to talk to you more about that. So but why can't you be a member of those teams? You know, the blue team and the one at APD, just to have that liaison going on. I think, again, it's a time element. It's a time element for the team, and it's a time element also for the individual community and parish nurse. So I, I think that that would be a wonderful idea if we can improve the communication somehow through Dartmouth and the Hitchcock Connect. That we that hope it's in the future. We hope. Yes. So I'd love to talk to you more sure. So thank you all for coming. Feel free to for sure. We would love any phone calls if you have further questions. And we really appreciate your interest. Thank you.